everybody, and welcome to Engaged in Rec. Today, I have a really exciting guest on Engaged in Rec podcast today. Um, her name is Jess Jones, and she is the creator of Jess Jones Recreation Therapist. I'm really because Jess has a um, company that she has created that is really interesting. Um, I've spoken with some companies that are like tech companies or um, are art therapists or music. She provides a lot of resources to rec therapists, and I'm really excited to share all of the information about Jess Jones Recreation Therapy. So welcome, Jess. Thank you, Karina. I'm so excited to have you here and learn all about your company. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself in the senior recreation industry? Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so where do we start? Um, who I am, I'm Jess, and I'm currently living in London, Ontario. And it kind of, my background is, well, it kind of goes all over the place. So I've been professionally um, in the field of therapeutic recreation for about three years now. Um, but I think my background really amounts to that moment where it became official. So I've got, so I'm it's, I never know how to exactly like start when people are like, what brought you to rec or like, what's your background like? Because it's, it's a, such a, a mosaic of things. Um, first and foremost, art and music have always been so important to me. And growing up, I was a theater kid, music kid, and um, always doing extracurriculars in art. And so I, I, thought that was my path in life. I really truly believe that. And so I was a musician in a band touring across Canada. We, we played, oh my gosh, we went on so many amazing tours, three months at a time, sometimes on the road, uh, playing wow. shows. Yeah. Like really cool experiences. I mean, I lived in a van <laughs> literally, uh, going across our beautiful nation and, um, meeting so many incredible people from all over the world. Uh, we stayed in lots of small towns and built really cool relationships with people. Some people that I'm still still talking to almost like a decade and a half later. Um, and so that was that's pretty cool. And my husband's a musician, so he's still in the music scene. He's still putting out albums, he's still writing. And so I, I often um, join up with him and perform with him still and still go in the recording studio with that. So there's always, there's that love of music um, first and foremost. And then my art, I love everything to do with design and color and creating things. And um, I love taking raw items and building them into something new. So even things like carpentry and building uh, anything was always of interest to me. And so I decided to go off to university at the end of high school for art. And in my head, I thought, yeah, I'm going to be an art teacher. That's, you know, that's kind of where I thought I was going. Um, and then I met my husband. We, I met him right at the end of grade 12. He, he's a little older than me. So that, that's a story on its own for another day. Um, <laughs> let's just say uh, I, when I brought him home, my mom's like, wait a minute. Seems like the plans might be changing. <laughs> like what's going on here? Um, and I ended up not going off to university. So I was accepted into OCAD, which is Ontario College of Art and Design. And I, I made a pivot and uh, didn't go to university right away. And I ended up um, kind of, you know, building my relationship with him and moving to London and uh, just kind of living this 
this rock star lifestyle. It was a little crazy, I must admit. Um, that is so fun. cool, though. Yeah, really fun. And, you know, like, no regrets. But I knew um, from an educational uh, standpoint, education is so important to me. Um, you know, I've always um, made education a priority in my life. And so I was determined to go back to school. And, um, you know, living on your own in your early 20s is challenging for anybody. There, usually there's no money. It, it involves a lot of having to be resourceful. <laughs> and, and so I did decide to go back to college and I paid for that all by myself. And I went off to uh, Fanshawe College to get my culinary diploma because cooking, uh, moving out so early in my life, uh, really had taught me those skills to be a chef or to cook, I should say. I wasn't a chef at that point. And then that ignited a whole new love for me. So not only now did I have that music and the art that was kind of dri my driving force, but now I'm I'm just finding this big passion in the kitchen and cooking. Um, and like I should preface that like all my years growing up um, working in part-time work at, while in high school was always in restaurants, right? Serving and so I'd already kind of had felt that love. But yeah, so I went up to school and did that. And I did that for almost 17 years. I worked my way up through the ranks in the kitchen and I became an executive chef. And I opened up a very small uh, cake and cookie business. Um, it was uh, so small that I actually just like <laughs> rented a very tiny corner of um, a catering company that was already established. But you know that was I was so proud of that, and uh, and I did really fancy cookies and cakes, and I did all hand painting on cookies, um, and that's what I I did for so many years. Um, so getting into what we're supposed to be talking about, um, <laughs> <laughs> I found that the grind in the restaurant industry really had started to wear me down, and I had a very good relationship with my senior chef, um, who I had been working with day in and day out. And I said, I'm not happy anymore. I can't do this. You know, you know, I was experiencing a bit of depression because we wanted to start having a family, but, but with the hours that you keep in a restaurant, it's just almost impossible. You're working such long, long nights or long days and nights. And I, I said, I need out, I need to go find something different. And uh, thank gosh for her support. She came to me the next day and said, you won't believe what ha what's come along. Um, there's this opportunity to become a chef in, um, a retirement home. And I said, what? Like a retirement home? <laughs> I'm like, okay. And she's like, you'd be great at it. It's, it's much slower paced, but you know, Monday to Friday work, you'd have weekends off. And, and cause it was a management position I was um, applying mm -hmm. for. And I did that and I got in and for two years, I, I worked in a specifically a home that was built for those living with dementia. And the really beautiful part of this, this is how I feel like the universe really does just lean into making sure we're being taken care of. Like the path we're on might not always seem like we're on the right path, but man, everything just tink, tink, tink lines right up. It because, falls into place. Oh, it, yeah. yeah, this one's telling you because all of these experiences and I met, I, and I kind of kept out with within in those 17 years of cooking a big part of my cooking experience was 10 years working in um, Reggio Emilia schools. So I actually was a chef um, in a Montessori-like environment for 10 years. Oh, cool. So I was 
That's I was cool. living, yeah. So I was living and breathing this like um, lifestyle of working. Uh, I got goosebumps telling you this right now, but like working with children at their level, getting down and and building gardens with them and teaching them about agriculture and uh, the local food movement. And so like all those things were happening all throughout my career. And so then I get, um, I get this position in retirement. And again, I look around and I'm like, my gosh, this reminds me so much of working in the schools, right? Working with these And folks. it's very parallel. It's so working parallel. With, in schools. Yeah. Yeah. And I would used to, I used to say to people, if you look at the spectrum of those living with dementia and, and smaller children, there's so many similarities, right? There's so many things that you can do to support each of them on, on either end of the spectrum. And when you pull it together in one big circle, my experience is working in that Montessori Reggio Emilia um, environment really, really came through when I started working with folks in dementia. Like it just felt so natural. And so I started applying that approach to the way I would interact with the folks. And so I was doing cooking like lessons with um, with our residents, um, but one on ones and like getting them to feel and it was more about the sensory of the cooking experience for those guys. Instead of them just sitting and watching me, I knew that I had mm -hmm. to make it so that it was really engaging. Um, and so we used to make it all about smelling and feeling and what does this remind you of? And and so there's another little piece that kind of, you know, falls into what I do now. And so it, it just built and built and built. Okay. So now I'm two years in working in retirement. I'm loving my life. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And then there's this whole recreation piece of it that I'm, you know, I'm working, I'm working beside the rec therapist, right? Like she, the manager and her and I hit it off right from the beginning. And I remember we shared an office and she would always be like, Jesse, what do you think about this program? And how do you think we could do this program? And so we were always mixing and matching and working together, like bringing culinary into her programming and how could I like get her to help me with my programming. And, and I, I, I remember sitting at the desk one day thinking, my God, I love what she does. Like, I love her job. Like, I was more enthralled in what she was doing most days than what I was doing, even though, like, my passion <laughs> is so high in most of everything. I just found that everything she was doing, I would also be like, hey, in this program, you should do this. So I started really thinking outside of uh, cooking and thinking about all the things she was doing and saying, oh, you could do this, this, and then art and music. And I started talking about all that. And anyways, so there's a little <laughs> piece of, getting to that point. Um, and then something really shattering happened in my life. So this is my life going great and everything's just so beautiful. And I thought this is it. I've finally figured out what I'm supposed to do when I grow up and, you know, um, and then my five-year-old, my five-year-old was diagnosed with cancer and, and it just, yeah, it just came out of nowhere. It was literally, um, I mean, and when I say that, I don't mean one day we woke up and she had cancer. It was more of less, this two months leading into that finding out that because she had been so ill. And um, so I started to struggle at work because I was trying to care for her in terms of figuring what was wrong with her. And then when we finally figured it out and we got that diagnosis, of course, that pretty much ended um, everything for me. I, I had to step back from everything in life and just focus on her. Um, so she was diagnosed with, yeah, she was diagnosed with leukemia. And, uh, and that, that was a huge pivot in my life for so 
many beautiful things. A lot of beauty came from that experience because, and I know I feel like I've just been talking and talking and talking. So if you want to stop me at any point. <laughs> no, I want to, I want to hear your whole story. This is great. Yeah, well, this is where the rec therapy really came, came forward for me. And um, without knowing it, when I first, you know, when we first got the news, of course, that's, there's a lot of grieving and, and there's a lot of figuring out what's next, what's the next plan, what are we going to do and how are we going to do this? And um, so there was a lot of stepping back in life. And uh, I realized through the process of helping her and supporting her through her experiences with cancer, um, that it was actually, and I only see this now in retrospect, that there, it was therapeutic recreation that helped both of us heal and work through this three years that we've journeyed together on. Because, you know, when I was really sad and grieving and trying to figure out how to support her, I would take my painting again. So I had stopped painting for this whole story I just told you. When I met my husband, Andy, the paintbrush kind of got put down. You know, I was I was practicing arts in other ways, but it wasn't directly visual art. And then when Everly got sick, that's when I realized I needed to do that again to keep me feeling fulfilled and feeling happiness, right? Or trying to figure things out by calming my mind. And so I started painting again. And that just brought back so much life for me. My studio lit back up. There was color back in our lives. I would be sharing my artwork with her and she would be helping me. I mean, we spent so much time together because she wasn't going to school anymore. So, you know, um, so all that was happening. And then my she was three at the time, my littlest one. Um, yeah, she was home with me too. So we ended up just creating these beautiful connections at home through the studio. And uh, anyways, a sad part over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> January 11th, my daughter uh, is got a full clean bill of health and uh, she's officially finished her chemo treatment, which was three years in life. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to bring this story back up and bring that energy back up, <laughs> um, everything's <laughs> doing great. And, and she kicked cancer's ass and we're really happy about that because all of us are thriving. Um, I think we were always, well, we went into survival mode for a little while there, but I think um, our family just did such a great job at pushing through and really, appreciating the present and just being there in the moment and that really helped us uh okay so I called my work this is the work now that I was telling you about the home that I worked at and I said I'm ready to come back and it had been a year and they said okay well things have changed the the position in which you worked is no longer available and I'm like um okay <laughs> like now what what do we do <laughs> Um, they said, but we, ha we actually all want to meet with you because we have this amazing proposal. And I got really nervous. And so I met with them and the senior management. And they said, we want to offer you a recreation position in the company. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I don't do that. That's not what I do. And they were, like, they were like, no, but it is what you do. I said, no, I'm a cook. That's That's my life. They're like, no, you really need to just take a look around. <laughs> like, they said, like, open your eyes a little bit, right? Like, open your eyes and see the value that you can bring to this field. You, you know, with your music and your art and my, now my dementia experience and then my Reggio and Montessori experience. There was, and cooking, right? 
there was all these pieces that just like, like a puzzle, metaphorically speaking, like it just fit, you know? Oh my gosh. You can't like the metaphor. It the, the, sense. The, yeah. It just, everything fit. The puzzle came perfectly together. And I said, oh, okay, I'll go home and think about it. And I left and told my husband and he was like, are you kidding me? This, there's something out there for you. <laughs> like there's a there's a career that's literally like allows you to do all the things you love and help people. And I said, yeah, I never even heard of this before. Like, you know, like I just wish that someone <laughs> had taught me years ago that there was an entire career devoted to people that could share so many passions. Right. And um, anyhow, there's there's how I got into it. And I continued working for this company. And then I ended up working for another retirement home as their director of health and wellness, which was the recreation director and leading programming and and starting programming. And um, my gosh, that that's a long story. But that's how I got to know. It's just I love that story. And I was smiling the entire time that you were talking about it because you just seem so excited and passionate about it. And I'm like, tell me more. Tell me more. I just what what happened next? What happened? (laughs) I'm into it. I know it's funny, right? Because every time people are like, so how'd you get into rec? I'm like, do you want I'm gonna give the Coles notes? (laughs) The long (laughs) notes are just it's so interesting to me to talk to other people in recreation because it doesn't matter who I talk to about rec. As soon as I talk about anything to do with recreation, my face hurts from constantly smiling. I yes. just, I just love it so much. <laughs> like, and you know, my favorite true. thing is brainstorming. And I know that you and I had a conversation last night before this <laughs> interview um, and just like, snowballed ideas back and forth and it was just that's one of my favorite things to do is to just talk to other like-minded people that have the same passion and be like oh my god this would be so cool if this happened and then that happened and like uh, what are you what skills do you have what skills do I have like let's talk about it it just it's so fun that's my favorite back on topic though right (laughs) about Tess Jones Recreation Therapy. What do you do? What do you have? Tell me all about it. Yeah. Okay. So um, the pandemic offered me this gift in that I got to step away from my job a lot. I know that's not really a gift in most people's eyes, (laughs) Um, but because I was working in management for a very large uh, retirement home now, there was a lot of responsibility to keep. And um, with the pandemic, I had to keep stepping away from my role to take care of my children. Every time the schools closed or anything, anytime anything happened, my motherly presence really obviously came forward and was my family's always been a priority. Um, And so I, I kept having to step back. And eventually it just came to that point where I said, I, I can't, I got to leave now for good. <laughs> um, and I, I took that big leap and uh, I sat at home for a little while and it just came to me. It was just like one of those things you just wake up and you're like, and now's the time. Like, I just got to do it. And um, that's how Jess Jones Recreation Therapy was born. Basically me brainstorming all the things I do, all the things I love, and how can I put myself into the community as a resource and as someone who can support people. And when I say people, I'm talking about humans of all ages and abilities, including the caretaker. And 
I wanted to really take it from the perspective of where I was working as a director in rec because I often found myself feeling unsupported at times. And so I wanted to really brainstorm on that. So, okay, I feel unsupported. Why did I feel unsupported? How could I have felt more supported? Because I think the pandemic really, really underlined so many of the issues in Canada that we're currently facing, especially in Ontario with long-term care and uh, homelessness and all those things, everything was highlighted. COVID really did a good job at, you know, striking that yellow line through things. And it also really showed that a recreation department is so dependent on outside resourcing. And when you take away everything because the pandemic made it so that no one could come into buildings anymore, we were left with this very fragile department. <laughs> there wasn't much to do anymore. There wasn't a lot to offer because everybody couldn't come in anymore. And uh, we we're all left running around doing it all. And I really yes. wanted to sit there and think about, okay, so yeah, one day we're going to get our resources back, but what could we do so it doesn't happen again? What if there's another pandemic? Or what if, what if there's someone at home? And then that's kind of how the brainstorming really pointed in that direction. What about the people sitting at home right now who have a mom or dad with dementia or, or anything, or Parkinson's or any type of cognitive impairment uh, who needs support? Someone who just doesn't know what to do, but they want to keep their parents at home longer. That's how the light went on for me. I was like, oh my gosh, like I could provide resources to the caregiver and to the people in their homes. And then that led to children who need support, the children with developmental disabilities. And then all of a sudden I was just like, oh my gosh, making kids. This is what we need to do. We need to create these, these things for parents and caregivers to provide for their loved ones and help support them. So that's kind of where Jess Jones Recreation Therapy has started. It's so new. I mean, I think I'm just I'm just heading into my like second month, third month of uh, a little bit of momentum here. But that's where I'm sitting right now is just being able to offer a creative new way, a new perspective on how we can show what support looks like through creativity. Yeah, and so I purchased, yeah. I purchased um, an activation kit from you, which mm -hmm. I loved, and it was wonderful. But can you tell the listeners that kit? Yeah, so you got the May kit, and we're working, we're just getting, um, putting together, I say we, I don't know why I talk like I have this big crew. We is me. You, you and the girls. <laughs> I don't know You and the I girls, do. they're your team. Yeah, they really are. They're very supportive. Um, but we yeah, pay so you in pancakes. <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're working on the July kits right now. And so we, you and I met back in May. And um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And so the May kit was all about, that was my very first kit that I had put together. Was it? The very, very, very first one ever. Yeah. And so oh, I got were, your first kit. Awesome. Yeah, seriously. And that's why I said last night when we were chatting, it's incredible in the three months or the three full kits I've designed and put together, how they've already evolved into such a different thing. I mean, it's not far from the concept of what I'm providing, but there's already so much more involved in putting a kit together, right? Um, but the May kit was all about nature, and I really wanted to celebrate spring. 
And so I had artificial flowers. I had pottery, like little um, terracotta pots. We put in uh, lentils and mung beans uh, for sensory items. We did two types of uh, Play-Doh, which at the time wasn't um, marketing. I, I wasn't marketing it as aromatherapy dough because I didn't really hadn't really stepped into that arena yet it was more or less oh, i'll add some of this rose essential oil to give it that garden smell and so i made it this smell so good thank you yeah and i made this green and and pink play-doh to kind of represent you know green leaves and pink for um flowers um what else was in that one uh oh rocks yeah, I spoons in, yeah spoons two wooden spoons so that like we were working on our fine motor skills um you know lifting the beans and and here's the thing about the kits so i've had a couple people say to me yeah i got your kit and there were no instructions there was nothing like really for me i didn't know what to do and this is how i mean how my kids have already evolved because now i've i'm like oh that's good feedback um let me tell you how to use them and and using that as an opportunity to educate people on mm -hmm. my experiences in montessori and Reggio Emilia, which is loose parts and what are loose parts i mean loose part play is so important for for either a the folks the elders who need to maintain um the 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 skills the motor skills and the fine motor skills that they do already have and you want to keep those skills building the language skills right talking and having those conversations and naming the parts and but mostly where i was coming from is i really wanted to support people in their imagination and their creativity and with loose parts and open-ended materials nature-based open-ended materials the instructions aren't important because what's important is how you identify the materials how you see the materials and that's the beautiful thing about working with people with dementia is that you get to enter into their world you get to hear what they see and and what that what it reminds them of right and that's what i wanted the kits to do i wanted people to see it as an opportunity to enter a portal of their own imagination because you and i will look at that play-doh and maybe we can come up to our own conclusions of what it is but everybody will feel different about it and that's kind yeah. of yeah and like that's how i want it everyone could get a make kit, and we would all interpret it and um accept it differently and, and i so think that's what i really loved about that was that it was completely error free yeah and that's it, it. and i mean yeah, error-free as in, like, there is no wrong answer That's for it. what you're going to be able to do. With and everybody, just like you said, can interpret it their own ways and uh, it, use all of the materials in a different way. And it's just, I loved your kit so much because of the open-ended, open-endedness, yeah. is that a word yeah, that, you, um, that you provided? It was great. Thank you. Yeah, and, and that right there, when you can say to somebody, it's error-free, do what you want. How often do we tell people who are working through a healing process or might have um, some type of impairment or um, mental illness, do what you want? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's beautiful to hand over something to someone and let them have control of it. And that's when you're going to start building those problem solving skills and the critical thinking skills and really give people their independence back. Even if it's just a kit in front of them, that is aiding in independence. 
And the kit I found was starting to really work for all ages. I had obviously children naturally take to those kits. I mean, their imagination is imploding. Like it's, you know, like that's all they do is imagine. So the mm-hmm. kits are yeah. just so natural for them. My, my children will sit, I'm not exaggerating. They will sit in my island in the kitchen playing with kits. They're my testers <laughs> for hours. For hours, I will look at the clock and say, oh my gosh, guys, you have been playing for three hours straight, uninterrupted play. And then I have parents telling me that I bought your kit so that I could just have a minute to to do laundry or turn around and do my dishes without the constant pulling on my shirt. Mom, mom, it's just giving people that opportunity to, to support their loved ones with a little bit of independence, right? Yeah. Anyway, so that's how that May kit started. And then the June kit, I really started to see the creativity. Um, There were so many opportunities for creativity with these kits. And so I started, I did Lake Life and um, started introducing little animals and figurines and more textured and sensory based items. So now the kits are very sensory based. So the June kit had like moss and I made um, lavender orange um, sensory sand. So like kinetic sand, but uh, a little different because it's everything I make is handmade. Uh, there's my cooking career coming through, but it's all small batch. Um, and then I got really interested in making Play-Dohs that also offered an experience. So now all my doughs um, lean into whatever the kit, whatever we're celebrating for the kit. That's what the doughs will feature. So we had like lake water uh, dough. And what else do we have? Oh, starry night dough. So the dough is black with like actual like flickers of um, like stars, like um, not glass, but big chunks of um, sparkle. So when you're moving the black Play-Doh, it actually glistened and moved and it smells so beautiful. Yeah. So really uh, just activating, hence the the word activation kits, just activating people's senses and uh, their experience and lighting them up, right? And being their starter button and just helping them to, you know, experience. You know, what would be so cool is, um, and this is the brainstorming part of me that is just thinking right now you know those um like qr codes that you get like you know when you go to a restaurant and you like click it so that you get a menu or whatever oh yeah yes yeah what if you what if you had a one of those qr codes that played your music okay you know like you 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 know like you play music right that if you did like calming relaxing guitar or whatever and then we were able to use that code on your phone to have this music playing in the background, but it's all just Jones. I can't even, I can't even speak right now. It's so cool. It's such a cool idea. What you just said is just, I don't don't know how to do that (laughs) to do Uh those code things, but I'm sure somebody does. (laughs) Any listeners out here can figure it out. (laughs) So funny because I think you can actually just go online and there's like code makers. So for like, like whenever you're trying to uh, market or send to your people, you can have a code made for anything. Cool. And then you just put it in the activation kit with you. Oh and then while God. you're doing this, here's some background music. That's such a great idea. I love it. That's <laughs> Sorry, I just had I'm, two cents in there. No, this is so perfect. Anyway, that's where we're at. And then July, and then July came along and uh, we're doing Canadian theme. 
And then I started cool. adding in like, um, when you subscribe now, you get an also a complimentary um, like 20 page activity workbook that pairs with the kit. So that's how we've evolved already from the feedback we've received is like, I don't want to tell you how to use the kit, but here's a really fun activity workbook that has like your crosswords and all those traditional little games and activities. But then I've added in like journaling and prompts and um, other things that will get people thinking who need that additional support, more or less for the caregiver, right? So the caregiver mm -hmm. can sit there and say, oh, oh, these are great prompts. So how do these rocks feel in your hands, you know? And uh, yeah. giving people suggestions on how to use the materials other ways than just a box full of stuff. <laughs> Yeah. And I know that caregivers a lot of the times will come in and they just don't know what to do. Right. They don't know how to interact with somebody or they don't know like what they can talk about anymore or if they're going to go do something together. They're not quite sure what to do. So having those prompts yeah. is really great to give them that opportunity to like, here's a start and then mm -hmm. let's just flow with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So. um, Sorry. We just have <laughs> talked about effort. <laughs> I have well, my whole this, list of this questions. Is done. <laughs> like, we just talked about everything. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, I love it. These are my favorite conversations when we just get totally off topic and yeah. are able to just have these conversations. It's so nice. Oh, good. Um, so, your company is brand new. You have a brand new company. Yeah. You have started these activation kits, but there's a lot more on your website and all of your Facebook and everything. Um, what other things do you have? Oh, gosh. Okay, so my art... A lot. You have a yeah, lot. There's a lot going on. So my art studio turned into... Um, and I was like, well, how am I going to use this space? I'm not really painting in the moment anymore. So I, I was like, okay, well, we'll just turn it into a workshop. And... Um, now what I'm doing is um, I make all my own wooden puzzles, which is really cool. I'm very pleased with that. Um, so puzzles that are, I make memory games um, that come in these cute little like sacks, um, like these beautiful hemp bags. And I do all my own transferring of images. And we even some of the puzzles I'm creating right now, which I haven't released, are all hand-painted with beautiful epoxy resin on top. So they're such a beautiful gift to give someone. Um, How many piece puzzles are they? Pardon me? How many pieces are in there in your puzzles that you have? Oh, the current ones, the memory game puzzles are meant for to be for seniors, uh, again, living with uh, cognitive impairment or children, of course, uh, but 12 pieces in total. So there'd be six images to flip over. Okay. Um, but I, I assume you could buy two kits, two little bags and make it a big puzzle, right? Um, again, all nature themed. So if anyone ever wanted to like do some background history on me, all of my painting is nature based. I'm a botanical uh, or floral painter. I just love garden gardens and flowers. And so I really wanted to make sure that that came through with my uh, my work as a rec therapist. And so all my work is nature based. Um, so yeah, wooden puzzles. I've even got these beautiful tabletop wooden blocks. Um, what else? Um, oh. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm being distracted. The little ones are trying to talk to me. Um, 
Mine what just up? came in my room too. Yeah, that's okay. I'm gonna keep talking and I'm gonna start making pancakes. Um, yeah, so we got wooden blocks, we've got wooden games. What else do I have that's really cool? Well, the collection of aromatherapy does is growing. We're at 11 cents. Uh, sense. That sounds funny to say, but 11 like flavors now. Um, and the Canadian flavors are absolutely amazing. We've got Nanaimo bar, um, maple syrup, uh, Saskatoon berry, and large double double, of course, the Tim Hortons iconic coffee. Um, and so those are Play-Dohs. And I think those are going to be really cool to give to folks, especially um, more mature smells to the seniors to really use that as a reminiscing um, tool you know, let them work it in their hands, strengthen those muscles, and then get talking about it, you know, like, oh, what does that smell like? And just seeing what it triggers for them. So that's kind of what else? I don't know. There's so much. Oh, I've got wooden combs that we've got designed. So combs that you can use in sand, um, sand. So at the beach, or even in a big sensory table, these combs make all these different patterns. And you create everything. Yeah, or and or if I'm not directly creating it, I have uh, close partnerships in London, Ontario with um, a wood designing company that helps me make um, the more intricate stuff. So we're having um, this beautiful um, American Sign Language puzzle being made for us right now. And that obviously is just way too intricate for me to make. So I work hand in hand with other small companies in the city to support local and um, and yeah, and just have those great relationships starting that we can all work together as a team. Oh, that's so nice. Your company is so great. And I know it's brand new, but I think that you're going to have huge success with Jess Jones Recreation Therapy. Um, can you let our listeners know how they can uh, look you up, where they can get information, um, purchase kits? Yeah. And they get in touch. Yeah, so you thank you guys. Hello out there. You can directly <laughs> um, reach me at my website, which is www.jessjonesrecreationtherapy.com. Um, and uh, you'll pretty much find everything you're looking for there. Even all my social media icons are top left corner. Uh, I send out a newsletter twice a week to people who subscribe. And again, all my icons and social media platforms are integrated in my emails. Um, but if you just want to directly head over to Facebook, if you just type in Jess Jones Recreation Therapy, you'll find me there. Instagram, Jess Jones Rec Therapy. Um, basically, any anywhere along the lines of Jess Jones Rec Recreation Therapy, you will find me. Google me. I'm up there, too. Um Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. This has been so fun. I feel like all I've done is talked, but it's good. <laughs> no, it's so wonderful to just have a super easy conversation and learn all about the amazing things that you're doing. I've loved speaking with you today. So thanks so much, Jess, for coming on Engaged in Rec. Thank you. And enjoy making your pancakes with your kiddos. I will. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Have a great day. Okay, bye-bye.